You're listening to the Hopped Up Network. The show you're about to listen to is part of the Hopped Up Network's growing family of craft beer podcasts in the U.S. and Canada. I think it's great. Find this show and others like it at hoppedupnetwork.com, the spot for informative and entertaining craft beer podcasts. I love it. I love you guys. You're listening to the Hopped Up Network. You're listening to the Pints and Provisions podcast with Evan, Mark, Ryan, and Dan. You're listening to the Pints and Provision Podcast with Evan, Mark, and Dan. Oh, I forgot to... I can't All right, we're back here at Poor Brothers. This is Evan, Pints and Provisions Podcast. I'm joined by Ryan and Brian. Hello, Evan. Hello, guys. Thanks for coming, Brian. Absolutely. Well, all you have to do is say the word lambic or pop a lambic or say the word cantillon, and Brian's like, oh, hey, guys, uh, what are you doing tonight? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're going to get into lambics a little bit because that's uh, one of our most sought after and favorite styles what we're going to start off first with of course our beers of the week ryan you had a pretty hefty black friday fun with your tour day bourbon county i don't know if one of those made the list but what do you what do you think about your beer of the week at least yeah so uh we were able to go to a place that had all of the bourbon counties on draft so that was eight total on a little bit later after uh, the releases in the morning where we picked up some bottles and this place had a surprise tapping of their Goose Island Bourbon County Proprietors 2014 on draft Whoa. and so it was uh, I think I don't know first 50 or 60 got a pour of that on top of uh, uh-huh. any of the other variants so uh, <laughs> for as good as the 2018 beers were uh, the Proprietors 2014 which is basically coconut uh, and, and uh, cinnamon. cinnamon. Well, it's and uh, brown sugar though too. I looked at the label because you told me, and it says panela, and panela is basically brown sugar. Yeah, and it's thirteen point two percent, and uh, it, it's actually a rye barrel. Uh, That's right. Because that was same year as vanilla rye, so they did uh, rye barrels for their variants that year. And for four years later, it was fantastic. Uh, the coconut hadn't faded. Uh, the panela hadn't faded, I guess you yeah. could say, and, and uh, the cashew bark or cinnamon was still there too. So it was perfectly balanced, drinking great. We all kind of said it's amazing when they, on the bottle they say it develops for up to five years. Yeah. Um, it, I'd be shocked if that didn't continue developing for another four or five after this. So, oh, yeah. Uh, and I'm sure Chicago will prove uh, some of those kegs will still be around in four or five years, and they'll keep releasing them. That's awesome. Yeah. Who's so, stashing those? I mean, they're, they seem to just pop up randomly all over the place. And I think it's it's bars that just hold them back for special events, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you'd ha- I don't know how you'd, as a bar owner, be patient enough to oh, hold yeah. those back for that long. Yeah. Um, but maybe, maybe it is 
Goose Island that is just continues to kind of pop one out here and there and yeah. to some of their bigger customers. I have no idea, but it was uh, it was pretty exciting. That's cool. awesome. Brian, how about you? Uh, yeah, different uh, different end of the spectrum. As I was in uh, Nashville for the holidays, and so uh, anytime I'm in Nashville, I stop by and get some bearded Irish beers, and so. Um, I uh, had one uh, double IPA from them, Catalyst, that I enjoyed quite a bit. And I believe I brought one for you guys uh, to, to share. All right. And um, also had another bar there in town. I had um, Bourbon County, on St- Bourbon County uh, CBS, and uh, w- another barrel age out of Nashville, Black Bell by Blackstone. So had some good beers. Nothing, no whales like that. But uh, but had some good beers while I was uh, while I was back home. Yeah, that's always there's always great offerings there in Nashville. So as Florida as I was, there really weren't great offerings for where I was. Uh, although they did have the Blackberry Farms saison farmhouse ale uh, in bottles, I found, which paired great with the Thanksgiving dinner that we had. It's from Tennessee, right? Yep. Correct. Murfreesboro or something like that, right? Uh, Blackberry Farm is from East Tennessee, Walland, right outside of Maribel. Okay. There you go. Maribel. Maribel. So it was a farmhouse sale. It was called Fence Line. Uh, this was different than the one, Brian, that we had while yeah. we were in Maribel. Yeah. Uh, but paired great with what we were doing uh, Thanksgiving-wise and uh, still tasted really good. So always enjoy a good saison, especially when you're, when you're eating good food. Agreed. All right, so into the Lambic we go. All right. The Cantillon Lambic d'Auny. How's your, how's your French? That, that probably actually works, yeah. Maybe. Uh, this, of course, is a Lambic-style beer, and it's aged with Pinot d'Auny grapes. So it's usually re-fermented on those grapes. It's interesting, though, if you look at the ingredients on here, it does list raisins on there. And I guess maybe is that what uh, French for grape, like raisin, yeah. Pinot d'Auny? Well, the, I don't. Their uh, translations aren't known to be <laughs> the best. You're right. So. I, I figured it were it wasn't raisins, but anyway, this is uh, one of those amazing, obviously breweries. And I know Ryan did a little bit of expose work on uh, giving us some information about Cantillon, but uh, this has been one we've been wanting to drink. And, and I think you're going to talk about uh, how these are made a little bit, Evan. But uh, So this one was from 2017, and I think, they've, I think this might be the third batch. Uh, in 2017, they changed it up a little bit. Instead of doing like a typical dry-hopped, fruited process with the grapes, like uh, you know, a lot of lambic and sours and things like that, yep. uh, you know, how they're made, this one was actually brewed with the grapes throughout the process. Mm-hmm. So I would assume it's probably a little bit more... It's probably less sweet because of that, but you probably get a little bit, probably a little bit more pronounced flavor from that grape, and it's probably just kind of deeper within the whole beer, yeah. as opposed to just kind of uh, you know, right on the front end and and maybe less on the finish. Yeah, and traditional lambics, of course, come from a a special region, uh, and I'm not gonna. I guess I could try to butcher it the best I can. I Brussels. <laughs> yeah, well, the Brussels area. There was another. There was another kind of. There you go. Thank yeah, you. I think I don't know how it's pronounced Thank in you. French, but I think it's Bruxella or Bruxelles. Yeah, I think it's probably Bruxelles. And there's only a few traditional Lambic breweries, too. I mean, some Correct. of these other breweries over there, like even the Lindemans, and most people talk about Lindemann Frambois, is not a traditional Lambic brewery, although they make traditional Lambic beers. And you're right. talking about Boone, which you brought a Boone, uh, Cantillon, Dreyfontaine. 
Uh, there's a, there's uh, maybe a, uh, one or two others, but they're actually not that many. It's right. almost like Trappist yep. uh, style Belgian beers. It's like there's only a certain amount of them that are sort of deemed to be that way. Well, and it kind of influenced a little bit from wine, where you've yeah, got, totally. You know, based on the region, it can only be a certain type of grape grown yeah. and things like that. Or uh, champagne has to be from the Champagne region or Champagne region Champagne. of France. Uh, or even like a Kolsch has to be brewed in Cologne, Cologne. Germany. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it goes into the beer on top of just the uh, spontaneously fermented styles, too. So, yeah. And just for our, you know, non-super beer nerd listeners, uh, just kind of a, a beer 101 on Lambic, um, you know, it's very, very unique of a term because it is so regionally located within basically the Brussels region of, of Belgium, whereas... You know, you could find a few in the U.S., but for the most part, they're they're very small batches. And um, for our U.S. listeners, you know, if you want to, you, you know, you can't go to your liquor store, or your beer store, and say, "Hey, I, I'd like to try a lambic." It's probably not going to be easily found, other than maybe a Lindemans or a Boone. Yeah. Um, but even those sometimes are a little bit harder to get. But uh, a lot of the influence in basically in a lot of the craft U.S. craft brewing sour beers all come from the original influence of, of Lambic. So yep. it's kind of where you've got your American wild ale and, and your sour ale and American sour ale and things like that. So basically if you've, if you've, if you've found a, like a, some kind of sour or uh, tart beer or fruited beer in the U.S., those kind of are you know, a, a sister type of, yeah. uh, of Lambic basically. So that's kind of the, the style we're talking about and um, it's one we've uh, we've kind of fallen in love with, and, and that's why Brian's here as well, yep. and yeah. uh, why we're doing an episode solely on that. And so I saw, given the lower temps in the U.S., that some of the breweries in the U.S., and probably in Brussels as well, are just now starting to make their lambics for the next year, where they put them into what's called a cool ship, um, and they, they're looking for uh, temperatures, overnight temperatures, between 20 and 40 degrees. Bingo. So the, uh, so the wild bacteria will come in and, and ferment them. I just saw, speaking of Nashville, uh, Yazoo has a has a uh, in, spontaneously fermented, you don't say lambic in the U.S. Um, oh, d- that, don't dare. You're right. Don't dare. Um, that, and they just, I just saw on Instagram that they're just cranking theirs up and he, you know, picture yeah. of it going into the cool ship. Well, and Jester King only has, in Austin, yep. Texas, I mean, they only have like a four to six <laughs> week window down there yeah. where, where they can make it. So that they're, you know, basically a lot of their... Uh, Method Goose is what they call it, um, or even just their American Wild Ales, all have the same base. They brew a, a very, very large amount of in this yep. really, really short window. Yeah. And then throughout the year, they fruit it with different fruits and have a bunch of different releases. But it all comes from that same yeah. big batch, basically. And to break it down to the brewing level, the majority of the, the composition of grist or the grains that you use is still primarily going to be barley, but they do have a fair amount, 30 to 40% usually, of unmalted wheat. And so it hasn't gone through that germination process, so it's a little bit more raw. Once they get that boiled down and made, that's when they transfer it transfer it to that thing called the cool ship. And imagine like a big kiddie pool, like a big copper stainless steel kiddie pool, very shallow, wide, rectangular. It's usually in the roof of these places, like in Jester King, it's in a barn. A kiddie pool is the perfect uh, acronym or, or a synonym <laughs> or <laughs> analogy, but I haven't heard that ship. before. It really is. <laughs> yeah, and so it goes in there, and then they open the windows. And the reason you want it in that temperature range is because if it's too hot, you get some of the unwanted bacteria ah. and things that are in the air that might 
overly fermented or basically just eat up all the sugars, but the right kind of stuff comes in at those temperatures. And then they'll throw it usually in, and a lot of these are in uh, wood, wood casks, sherry barrels, wine barrels, things like that to start give it a little bit more spontaneous fermentation because the microbes and the flora in the uh, and the barrels do also contribute to a little fermentation process. So they're brewed in some kind of stainless steel vessel similar to a lot of the breweries yep. that we have here in the U.S.? I would assume, yep. And then transferred to a cool ship yep. to ferment spontaneously and uh, mm-hmm. and then transferred to barrels to age, Yep. right? Yep. And then they're, you know, Lambic, I think, traditionally has to have three different years of blends. Yes. Um, so all these breweries that, that brew traditional Lambic, just have barrels and barrels and barrels from multiple years that they basically kind of pull from at different times and and bottle and or blend and then yeah. bottle from there. So some even being called a brewer that they're that I've seen some of them referred to more as blenders than than brewers. Absolutely, and you think of like Corey King from Side Project with a lot of the the blending he talks about with barrel aging stouts. I mean, a lot of that influence comes from what they've done with Lambic for, yeah. you know, hundreds of years, yeah. which yeah. Is, is just crazy to think about. But it's really come come in to influence a lot of the bar- basically any beer that's barrel aged here in the U.S. has a lot of that same style of, of blending and processing. Yeah. And the blending really does kind of tone things down because, like, if you've ever had an unblended, like, I know Side Project puts out an unblended series. Um, and you can get unblended, quote, lambic beers, and they tend to be very tartly, um, kind of funky, and yeah. they have a very different kind of funk to them. But then you do the one, two, three-year blended ones. That's when you get into the goose. Uh, that's, tep- that's the actual nomenclature of that style is they start blending, and it actually starts to mellow things out because not every barrel is going to be the same and not every batch that they brew is going to be the same. So that's where you get a lot of the variety um, of each batch and each barrel kind of blend to start tasting a little bit more syst- a, s- a little bit more consistent and similar. And uh, speaking of aging these things, so the, the, you know, you've got the, the lambic blends that go in, but then once they're in the bottles, these things, I mean, you know, 30 years, you, people will yes. open them and drink them. Now, yes. you don't know what you're getting when you open a 30-year right. lambic, but... Yeah, you know, from what I've seen is that uh, some folks can get one and they're and they're phenomenal. Yeah, and they do a lot of fruits. They do um, sometimes, like you said, these uh, different wine grapes to add a little more vinous character to these. But you can kind of go the the gamut of just about anything to these. And they don't. And again, one one other thing about the hops, uh, a lot of Americans are obviously obsessed with IPAs and know a lot about what hops do to beers and what hops contribute to beers but of course the original intention of hops were to be a preservative to help things become stable on the shelf so they don't get infected well keep them from skunking yeah in some and cases. basically what they use in most traditional lambic style beers are dried kind of old hops hmm. so they don't really contribute a lot to flavor or aroma but they still provide that preservative characteristics for the beer and like Jester King, if you see them, they always talk about how they have bags of like old dried hops in like the cellars and attics of their places and their barns, because that's kind of what the traditional style tends to tend to gear towards. Oh, interesting. And at what part during like the boil process would they add those hops? I mean, is it it probably really early on, or but it, I think, you think it's, it's a lot late. Kind of like continuously hopping or mostly late. 
mostly I bet it's mostly the, late. What would be the flavoring um, and aromatic reasoning, but right. uh, it's it's basically just for preservative preservative purposes. Add a little balance, probably. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So, how would you describe spontaneous fermentation to uh, someone that really doesn't know much about this style of beer, hmm. <laughs> or in would, layman's terms, so to speak? Well, there are a lot of things that are fermented and excellent, right? I mean, <laughs> Parmesan cheese, to a certain extent, is right. fermented a little bit. Kimchi and things of that Kimchi, nature. Kimchi, yeah. So some people think I mean, fermentation is spoiling. It's not solely to, right. Right. It's, yeah. not solely it's controlled spoilage. Right, exactly. Yeah. Intended yeah. and controlled spoilage. Yeah. But how controlled is it? Is it? I think this is very uncontrolled. Yeah, I think spontaneous, there's that element of... Who knows what's floating through, right? No I mean, control. That's what, yeah. And that's the probably how you thing become a I blender. I always right? struggle with is how they are so consistent with, you know, the year-to-year batch of Fufun uh, for Cantillon or homage with Drifontainen or even, but, you know, when you get into side project stuff like, but those two like guys, Fuzzy. And those two guys have been doing it for 40 years. Just, and then the Drifontaine is, it was his dad. I mean, so you've, yeah, got, yeah. you've got 80 years of experience of doing this every single day. Yeah. So... That's how you get good at it. Would be my guess. Experience, yeah. yeah. I mean, you don't see uh, breweries. Still is amazing or fascinating. Yeah, I mean, even even I think even Jester King or Leonel, there's a lot of variability with Spawn One, Spawn Two, and some of their different years. And you know, they've they've kind of hit a good stride, you know, in terms of an American tr- method traditional. But Cantillon's been doing it for God knows how long. Yep. You know, yeah. so I guess the good thing about being a, a brewery owner or brewer is if it doesn't turn out the way you wanted it or if it's not consistent you call it something different yeah. there you go <laughs> right so goose island doesn't have that uh flexibility when the, people are expecting a, a beer every thanksgiving right. day basically but yep, uh yeah. some of the breweries that just kind of release you know yeah. you've got all these barrels sitting around right yeah. so you every you know out. basically yeah. from a four to six month time frame of the year fufun comes out and some of the uh, Lu Pepe series come out, mm-hmm. but it's not really anything consistent or whatever. So it's like when they're ready and when we've got a good batch and yeah. <laughs> we're good there to we go, go. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll bottle it and yeah. we'll make it happen. So what do you think of this? It's a little more tart than I was expecting. Um, it's definitely not overly fruit forward. There's a lot of just kind of that weedy base lambic with kind of just glowing within it very Um, dry it's very dry absolutely i get a i get a really funky like that blue cheese kind of nose on it that kind of creamy funk But, but i don't get any on the flavor no it's all nose yeah it's it's it kind of has this full bodied aroma that reminds you of a, of a blue aged, cheese. Some kind of aged, aged cheese. cheese that has a funk to it. Gorgonzola, the, blue the, cheese. Which is so weird because the flavor is is not that at all. Is very, very... I actually feel like it is kind of sweet initially, but then it completely dries out. Yeah. As it hits the back of your tongue, it's just like... Just completely go, There's yeah. really not a finish. There's hardly a finish at right. all. It's, it's clean. It's a little yeah. lemony, too. Um, obviously, I'm not familiar with the grape that they're using, but you know, I, I get a little bit of a lemon, and, and definitely you do get some kind of... Uh, like a tart lemon. Like a, yeah, a little bit of a tart really lemon, tart. Some, some red grapes, but uh, it's really well balanced. It's not overly fruited. I mean, obviously, if it's, if it's not dry hop fruited, but uh, 
it's enjoyable. You this get it, and, and you get a nice lingering acidity yeah. in the end too. I think that's what you don't get flavor sweetness. You get acidity on that on that end. It's kind of just what you would expect a, a lambic to do. Yeah. And it, it's six point five percent. This was bottled in November of 2017, so it's been a year. And the one nice thing about this style of beer, especially when you get to the the traditional lambics, are most of them are actually five percent, almost always it seems. Yeah. And they're really light to drink, easy to drink. Um, so it's it's that style that you can have a little bit more of than than your typical beer, and it's just very very flavorful. I'm sure I'm sure none of us would disagree with crushing a, one of these bottles on our own no. and be totally no. fine with yeah. it. Yeah. Right. As we talk about breweries getting closer to trying to get more flavor in lower ABV yeah. beers, I mean, this is yeah. this is where they're trying to get yeah. at, basically. Yeah. I mean, I, there's a lot of places we've talked about that do good 3-4% but even fruited six, beers. But six even 6.5% is, is still, it's kind of, it's it's getting there. Yeah. But oh, I mean, yeah, it absolutely is. But it's going to, I mean, like any of these, that's going to take you... you you know, yeah. Oh, well, you're not gonna drink that. In an and hour. it's and it's gonna change as you yeah. warms. That's what I'm even thinking now. That's what's yeah. nice about these. Further into it. There's a little. I mean, there's a plenty of oak that's coming through. You know, some vanilla, baking spices, maybe a little bit, uh, and I get a little plum. Yeah. Maybe that's that's just probably a little bit more of the flavor from that grape. Yep. I almost. I will get probably try to seek out this style of wine. <laughs> whatever, yeah. whatever this uh, grape goes into from a wine perspective, I almost get a little like sweet tomato, like a sweet tomatoey. Right. It's interesting. Maybe it is. Maybe that's fantastic. kind of the, the the wheat in it that gives it a little bit more of a um, kind of a vegetable, not a not an inappropriate or 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 off flavor vegetable, but kind of that little bit more vegetable sweetness. So do you think, or maybe you, one of you guys know, did were the grapes part of the fermentation? So it's kind of a wine, I don't say wine-beer hybrid, but I mean, if there's grapes that are part of the fermentation. My original thought was that that's why it's a little bit higher ABV. Yeah. Um, I'd love to look and see if the older ones that were just dry hopped with the grape, if those are that traditional 5%. Right. But uh, my thought is, yeah, it's adding some fermentable sugars fermentable to it sugars, uh, that... that cranks mm. up the ABV, you know, ever so slightly, yeah. but I mean, an extra one and a half percent on a 5% beer, that's a, a pretty good, That'll pretty good it. amount. That'll add to it. And a lot of these do, like you said, do fermentation secondary in the bottle. So yeah, that's why they, that's, I think that's the second reason why they cork these too, to yeah. give it, give it a little bit more help with holding in that CO2, letting that dissolve into the beer. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the things that Cantillon had some uh, growing pains with was actually once they finally had demand to sell bottles, um, they kept exploding because <laughs> they couldn't figure out how to kill that yeast. So the huh. oh, yeah. the continuous and spontaneous fermentation just never stopped. <laughs> so that was one of their uh, their growing pains because uh, for a couple of years at least was to figure out how to patiently wait for the fermentation to stop to finish um and and then bottle and then bottle it so maybe it was more time in the in the barrels uh maybe they had to move the barrels to a different location or something like that so there wasn't you know more wild yeast or something entering into into the liquid but yeah 
And, and you, you'll get <laughs> interesting. It's yeah, kind of scary to think yeah. about. And if you carbonate or if you bottle a yet to be fermented beer, at least some beers, you'll start to get off flavors. Yeah, I mean, and even a lot of homebrewers go through that. Even yeah. when they're not making a sour beer, is just guilty. They, uh, guilty. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I well, I wasn't good enough brewer to probably even have enough uh, fermentation going on. But in my homebrewing <laughs> days, I never had that issue. But uh, a lot of people have where they just. You know, they've got a case of beer um, in their second or uh, bottle, you know, after they bottle it. Yeah. yeah. So it's still got a little bit of uh, forced carbonation coming through. And the next thing they know, they go down and they've got, you know, a case full of 12 bottles that exploded and it's Ugh. smelly and sticky <laughs> and liquid everywhere. And or oh. that's a sign of an infection. Yeah. Or infection or, yeah, yeah. whatever, yeah. Whatever yeah. the case may be. Because then it, eat, it ate everything left in there. Yeah. You just end up with fizzy water. And so, uh, there's, it's, it's interesting, so I'll have to credit Wikipedia because there's a lot of information out there on the history of Lambic just straight on Wikipedia. Oh, okay. um, but uh, So a lot of what I was reading up on was uh, basically the same information was all on Wikipedia, but uh, Lambic has really been being made since... Zero BC, basically huh. forever. Um, you know, even before that. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Um, and it essentially started when there was, you know, basically nonstop battles over territory going on, and in the area of what is now Belgium and Germany, they basically said we are not allowing the importing of wine to help with our enemies in so they Italy, France, locations, things yeah. like that. So the people are like, you know, <laughs> we <a> of <laughs> course, <laughs> of course, those, uh, the, uh, the ancestors of, of Germany and Belgium for sure needed some alcohol in their yep. lives. So yeah. they said, all right, we're going to make our own. And that's kind of where, uh, some of the light beers started coming into play. Yeah. Um, and then, and then that's where Lambic started because actually in the Belgium region, they actually didn't really have the resources to have a closed fermentation. So it was actually kind of accidental that they just huh. brewed some alcohol well, and figured out how to get it fermenting, and it ended up being this spontaneous. Spontaneous. And, That's how you get the spontaneous, because they had no idea they what they were no eating. idea. They <laughs> the just, yeast part, portion yep. of the ingredient pool, like, hey, I didn't, we didn't know that this was the problem. They just right. happened, happened to have sugar water yep. around, and next thing you know, it started fermenting. So they took some of that wheat wheat grain, the base wheat that you're talking about from the Germans when they were brewing uh, some of more of their lager styles, and they just kind of didn't have a good way to close ferment it, and, and next thing you know, they have Lambic coming out. And Interesting. Good story. Hundreds or thousands of years later, it's a it's a huge deal, and and actually, they, you know, similar to Kolsch and Cologne and things like that that we talked about, um, a true lambic has to be yeah. made in Brussels. Yep. yep, it's protected, but it's protected within a two-mile radius of outside of the city, because that's where all of the fermentation needs to occur. Oh, really? So they actually expanded that, like in the 1950s, because uh-huh. they said, okay, all these places are trying to get this spontaneous fermentation in the city limits, and it's just not working the same that it did in the no, a thousand years ago. Yeah. So, so they huh. actually expanded the the region to. A two-mile radius outside of the city is still allowed to be lambic. Interesting. So, which makes perfect sense because you think about Jester King, for example, that's just out in the middle of nowhere, and that's yep. where they just get yep. some amazing, um, amazing processes going to to get that spontaneous fermentation. So, yeah, they said the true microflora has to be <laughs> in the in the out wild the air outside of the city yep. limits. <laughs> so, do you so. think I can convince my wife to put a cool ship on our in our attic? You probably do have the perfect air, like in your backyard. <laughs> <laughs> lots of lots of lots of 
prairie, lots of foliage, lots of... I get a lot of dust from the street that I live <laughs> on. You might have a little better luck. Well, yeah. then, and hey, in three years, I can make beer with this. Maybe. Yeah. And I'll use the ki- I'll literally use the kiddie pool. Right, right. You know, because it's nice, shallow. It'll work. See, I'd be stuck with leaves and acorns, and I just don't think that would, would uh, ferment well. No, no. You just work on the... Uh, <laughs> or, yeah. or I'd call myself Scratch or... Uh, or white rooster v- yeah. version two. Yeah. <laughs> or you work on um, raising some pigs in your backyard so you can have acorn uh, like an Iberico ham. Yeah, That's go. right. You would call it Peoria ham. Uh, we, this is getting better and better. It, d- it is getting better. A lot of these, they they really pop when you start letting it get to close to room temperature, Absolutely. to be quite honest. The barrel just adds so up. much complexity, whether it's a lambic or a sour or a, a, a barley wine or a stout, uh, that... You really don't get enough of it till it warms up. A, um, a lot of that really pungent, funky cheese is going away, I think, on the nose. it's me- I'm getting a lot more of that that wine grape. I was going to say I get the grape a lot more on the nose now. Yep. <laughs> and I actually kind of like that cheese, which most people listening probably think that's a little unpleasant, but unless you've had it and oh, it's yeah. in a good beer. But it's, it's pretty interesting when you get it. I mean, it's really, really prevalent in your traditional goose that's not fruited or anything like that. Uh, but you know, in this style too, it's it's kind of unique and it's it's interesting. I mean, we had a ton of that with that 1985 or six or whatever the year was of the Bruschella Cantillon. There was tons of that funky cheese. I mean, it was like eating yeah. blue cheese. Yeah, it tasted and it wasn't in a bad way at yeah. all. It was like if you had your biggest, baddest charcuterie board that had some of the finest aged cheeses out there what that kitchen would smell like and in, it was in in the in a glass in a glass 1982 84 three i don't know it was before i was born so <laughs> it was yeah that's pretty Some wild guy just brought over right yeah yep. yeah here you go yeah oh, yeah yeah well yeah bart brought that over from belgium and some guy had had that in his bart's aunt aunt had that in his had it in, in her, her wine uh, cellar wine cellar for years she's like uh we don't really like this style of beer we really just were planning on aging wine so we know you like wine, Bart, or we, we know you like this type of stuff, Bart. So would you like it? So it was dusty and <laughs> it looked like it came off. But it, of it the, had like been in a Titanic. basement. Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, <laughs> all like, those bottles do. I don't truly know. aged proper properly for uh-huh. lambic. Uh-huh. There's not many of those out there from the 1980s. No. Yeah, and it was all accidental. <laughs> and the cork was still fine. Yep. I remember everyone was like, "Oh my God, is the cork going to be yep. just like crusty yep. and dry yeah. and brittle?" And Absolutely it was fine. not. Yeah, yeah, it was. That was huh. special. The outside of it that was closed off from the the cap, because Cantillon does a cork and a cap, that was disgusting. It was all moldy it and was. everything oh, else. Of, yeah. It was. But then you pulled the cork out, yep. and everything that had been touching the liquid was perfectly normal. Like, yep. you know, like a one-year-old wine. No different than anything like that, which was just super... That whole process was just fascinating, just going through that with a group of people and hearing the yeah. story and everything else. It was really interesting. Yeah. All right, we've That's got good. we've got an American version of is would that be an American version of foo? Is that peaches or is this nectarines? This is with uh, apricots, apricots, which is foo. Yep. Okay. Foo is apricots. Yep. So this is called Lafosse. Lafosse side project. This is blend three, which Gosh. I believe came out sometime this summer, maybe June, okay. June twenty eighteen, something like that. So we will uh, get this going here. So yeah, we decided uh, to have a side project beer, basically influenced from the style. So 
not intentionally to be similar to a previous uh, Cantillon uh, fruited lambic, but uh, this is one I don't think any of us have had that hopefully is pretty delicious, and we'll get this going. Is this, No, this is just capped. Yep. No cork? Yeah, no cork. No cork, but they cap theirs <laughs> with like do, do a side steel project, press. Do they, do they cork any of their beers in Side Project? That's a good question. Quiz. I don't think so. I'm I don't know if of... I've ever. I mean, they wax, but they don't. They yeah, don't wax they any wa- of their their sours, okay, wild they did ales. The, the teat, tete or teat cuvee. Tete de, de cuvee. Tete de cuvee. They they waxed that. They waxed a few of the early uh, fermiers, saison du du fermiers uh, or fermiers. They didn't wax poetic, did they? <laughs> I Sorry, guess not. that was bad. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I don't think they do any any uh, anything with corks. I know it's stout season, but it's also um, always lambic yes. season. Yep. We just had some good barbecue, so this is uh, great for dessert. Just yeah. some fruited beers, courtesy of uh, Slow Handcraft Barbecue upstairs. There's uh, a few people in here that got that to go to have a beer down here too, so it's always nice to have both oh, of yeah, them side by point. side. What they need, what they need is a like a dumb waiter that they can just kind of drop it down here. You can order it down here, and they just drop it down here. Yep. Just a little conveyor belt or I'm, I'm, a little bucket I'm you can just lift up and down. Picky, and I'm lazy, so <laughs> yeah, I don't want to leave the bar stool. I'm still enjoying that. So the Lafos warmed up quite a bit, which is good. Which I think is is a good thing. It's much much more tart. Oh god, it smells that. Which, I mean. which is typical. I mean. Most of those cantillons are just so soft smooth. that you just, they're so smooth that velvety. I don't even know, you know, Side Project may not even be trying to replicate that, that no. level of smoothness and softness. I mean, it's, it's just so unique. And, and people, you know, a lot of people like the tartness too, so yeah. it's just a different way of making yep. a very similar style beer. And it, I think you get a lot more sweetness too with these. And maybe with time, this might be much more like. The previous beer we just had, which was much better balanced, I wouldn't call Lafosse a balanced beer right now. It's good, but it wouldn't. I wouldn't call it balanced. Bit of a smack in the face. It's kind pretty of. tart. Yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, the apricot is heavy, heavy, yeah. and I like. That. I mean, I I love that are they, flavor. Are these Missouri apricots? <laughs> it doesn't specify, but usually, usually <laughs> they, they do, do get. It. They yeah. usually get them from local farms, yeah. um, and it's usually Missouri. Yeah. Even though they're right next to Illinois, you think they'd get <laughs> Illinois occasionally, but no. Just keeping them. They're Missouri very proud love. of their Gosh, Missouri, yeah. like wild ale, Missouri, you know, farmhouse ale. So we need we need white rooster to then yeah brew it's some. Probably, well, they're they're Illinois there, right? side customers. It's that's East St. Louis, so they probably don't get many people from there. True. It's so all actually right. from Missouri, so they're keeping with the state of their customer I don't base. Think there's beer drinkers in East St. No. Louis. <laughs> I think you got to go 30 or 40 miles into the state and. Yeah, that's where you get scratch territory and white rooster, yep. and other other great places. Which, yeah. at some point, we're going to do an on-site recording at one of those spots. Yes, because that would be terrific. I'm sure Corey would love to. This is the second podcast in a row now. We we're we're lobbying for Corey to sit down with us and yeah. talk to us. <laughs> we start with white rooster. The guys at white. All right, all right, yeah. we could do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And even what's what what's interesting? I think this is seven percent and. It says it on the bottle. Yeah, it's seven percent. This is a lot more carbonated too. Yeah, which it's just another it's different, different part. You it know, it's a different beer. They don't even call themselves Method Traditionale. Like no, they call them American Wild Ales for yeah. the most part. They've they do you know 
these are in a 375 milliliter bottle and for the most part the ones that side project releases in that size are fruited american wild ales and then a lot of the bigger bottles are fruited saisons so that's where they differ it up a little bit and and their saisons actually probably are a lot softer closer to a lambic even though that's a a different yeah these are always pretty tart i'm okay with that it's a good balance between uh you know kind of going from style to style and I think I saved a little bit of our Lambic Downey. Is that how I pronounce it? Downey? Lambic That's what Downey? we're going to go uh, with. For later. Dion. <laughs> so. Yeah. I'm, I didn't take French, so. Yeah. The, uh, the amazing thing, I know we're, we're moving on to side project, but uh, Cantillon Again. has, uh, they basically have been a family-owned business since 1900. So Cantillon. They weren't making money until like the, the 30s, uh, but uh, their original owner, Paul Cantillon, uh, started brewing Lambic in uh, like 1909 and uh, basically purchased some land to make it happen as a business with his son in the 30s. So speaking about your terrible timing, yeah. if you're in Belgium in 1909, you got, you know, three or four years and you're like, all right, I'm ready for Lambic. And then you got, and then World War One. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's a lot oh, of gaps. Oh. And actually they, they really didn't make any beer. So they started in 1937. They basically went for like a year or two and then didn't make any beer for about five years yeah. because of the Second World bigger War. bigger issues going on. Yeah. yeah. yeah a lot bigger issues. And they weren't going to be worrying about <laughs> their location getting bombed right. or anything like that. Jeez. The yeah. First World War. The First World War. <laughs> That's what, that's how they call it in Europe. Yeah, that's right. If you're in Brussels and you talk about World War II, they know you're American. <laughs> <laughs> Over there, it's the Second World War it's and the, the First World, World War. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to having Brian back after he has his birthday trip, which he will get to go to Cantillon. So Correct. we yep. want a you know full rundown. Yeah, that's good. Well, how the brewery was. And remember, before that, I'm going to be in Munich for Stark Beer Fest. Okay. The Strong Beer Festival, the cousin, the spring cousin of Oktoberfest. Strong Stark Beer Fest. Yeah, Strong Beer. So it's basically double, like seven or eight percent yeah. of those kind of things. Strong yeah. for them. Yeah. Just Not got fifteen percent, sixteen percent. Right. Like pastry stout. It got topped by the Belgians wanting to make 12 percent quads. Quads. And then the. Americans always have to go above and beyond just doing right. something stupid and crazy, making yep. 15% stouts. And yep. that's become yeah. the norm over here now. Yeah. And yeah. it is what it is. Right. Yeah. But um, they so it has to, feel, whatever, right? has to feel a little unique yeah. going to the Strong Beer Festival. Yeah, and it's like going to be the lighter fest. stuff yeah, you drink for the month. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that Dunkel Weiss, wow, that, that's strong <laughs> ale. <laughs> but yeah, you're going to have to let us know. How thing, I mean, because you'll be able to get any of these and all these lambics right. just just like popping shelf them turds yeah, and the, whatever. Yeah. But I'm 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 most interested to hear what the brewery's like. Yeah, Cantillon specifically. Like, I mean, looking at that much history in terms of brewing has got to be amazing. Crazy, yeah. yeah. And that they're com- apparently completely. You know, if you go to Drefontaine and or Cantillon, that they're just so completely different from each other. You know, just the way that they do things and and so. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting. Obviously, yeah. I'm looking forward to yeah. it. So. And a little bike riding. A little bit of bike riding. It's going to be a terror. A, a tour de France? No, no, no. no. Tour? The tour of Flanders. Tour of Flanders. Okay. Yep. All right. Yep. So when is this? Uh, in April. All right. So it'll be the, the, okay. like the first week of April. Yep. How much biking is going to take place? Uh, just uh, not that much. But it's going to be. Okay, but not that much for you is. I think we'll, we'll <laughs> a do lot 80, more than most people. Eighty or ninety miles. Okay. It'll be in in 
the Belgium. So what they do is the just day, one day though, too, right? Yeah, yeah, just one day. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So the, the day before, uh, like the uh, this, the Super Bowl of Belgium, called the Tour of Flanders, a bicycle race on Sunday. Oh, okay. So we'll, we're riding part of the course on Saturday. Very cool. So. And probably what one of the top three pastimes of Belgians. Yeah. Um, beer drinking. Yeah, I think there's bike like bike ride, bicycle two. race watching, yeah. and I don't know what would you say number three would be chocolate. I guess yeah. food. Yeah, I mean, other kind of food. A good food too. So yeah. Yeah, it's tough to be a Belgian. All my wrapped in tough one, to be a Belgian. Place, Perfect. So. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll have restaurants lined up and everything, right? Yep. Good to go yeah. with the yeah, itinerary. A, right. Yep. That's the way to do it. Awesome. All right, are you doing the boon? Well, yeah, and when you're at Cantillon, so they uh, they work with the city of Belgium to uh, have an underground cellar created. So now they can officially store their bottles for aging purposes uh, underground in the city of Belgium and some very, very cool climates, and you should ask them to see if you can tour that. Okay, I will. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll try that. With this, so this has a foil wrapper. We have a Cajun cork. We do, and this is... Uh, what did we have the last time we opened up this on Beer 102? That 92, I believe, and it was, uh, I think, cognac casks that it was aged in. Yeah. This one was aged in uh, previously used Lambic casks. Interesting. So they got, they, they didn't want to specify, but they got uh, some used Lambic casks, Lambic oak casks from a different brewery, huh. and then they aged this goose in, in there. Okay. So. So it's like sometimes Jester King will do... A second beer that was like in the using the spent fruits from like atrial rubicite. I can't. What's that called? Like, is that Vian Rose? Yes, it is Vian Rose. Yes, I have, I have a couple because I was down there when they released it. But Vian Rose, I was drawing a blank. which is their spontaneous ale that they use from the spent raspberries from atrial rubicite. It is still so it's delicious. Still it's so <laughs> amazing. You'd think after they've already produced one amazing beer, they wouldn't have any flavor left, and yeah. it is incredible. It's I would just really want to eat those raspberries, uh, though. Yes, they need to sell them. <laughs> Maybe they do, but yeah. I don't know. Whoa. <coughs> Mazel tov. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that popped quite a bit. Give it a pour, Brian. All right. Brian needs another glass. That's a pretty bottle, too. I like that. All right, so we have the VAT 108 open now, and... Uh, I think we've, we've taken a little bit of a smell. and It's it completely clear. Very much this. Oh, it's absolutely clear. Crystal clear. It, I mean, the, Which the, is the, not an appreciated quality anymore from when you think about the hazy honestly, IPAs. and Honestly, this reminds me of the color of like things, an all-day IPA. It really does. Like is, a session yeah. IPA. Just that uh, copper that straw gold. Yeah. A little bit. And speaking of straw... <laughs> I think this is great. I really like this one. It, and it's completely different yeah. than the other two beers. Like, you've had three Lambics, and they're all three different. But yeah. this is soft, like, I was going to, viscous, viscous always makes me It kind of is. Like a, right. I mean, for, a, for the style, it kind right, of is. It, what, yeah. it, coach, well, it's, it well, coats it, your mouth. Yeah. Well, at 8%, you know, too. It, yep. it doesn't sit heavy, but it body. definitely, I mean, the, the finish is... Lingers. You can take a sip and sit here. Yep. I mean, sit here for five minutes. And it really just sits really, really well and, and definitely lingers. And if you think we've been here for a while, so it's warmed up. It's basically close to room temperature. Very much so. Yeah. Super good beer. Yeah. Don't don't if if you're popping a lambic for the first time and you want to know how. I think it's good to see how it evolves. Definitely. But these things really hit their stride when it's getting close to room temperature. 
Okay. So. And I think just about any, I mean, if you're new to any style, yeah. I think it's good to have it evolve a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, there's definitely a lot of your American lagers that are advertised drinking super cold. Uh, and a lot of that's probably just to hide that grainy flavor that right, they don't yeah. want you to get. Yeah. But, uh, you know, wine is served warmer yep. for a reason. Yep. Uh, the, you know, in Europe, when you go get a beer somewhere, it's served warmer because they usually have a lot more quality grains that they use. And it's all because a lot of those flavors open up. So, um, gosh, this is so different. It is so different. The other two different. We've kind of hit, uh, in in three beers, we've really hit three completely different angles on the same type of beer. Whereas, you know, the side project was super tart. This is just super tart, super sweet, fruity. And kind of smacked you in the face. This This is is the exact opposite. Yeah. That's it's a, also that yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's pleasantly soft and oaky, and, and you definitely oaky, get like that oak and funky hay. goose. Oh, oak and hay. it's like if you stuffed a bunch of wet hay in an oak barrel. <laughs> and this, I was thinking, so this is a three seventy five as well, which is could be the the perfect. This would be great to have one of these for some night. You're just kind of yeah. hanging around, sitting around. Oh, after, definitely, you know, definitely, yeah. Whereas, yeah, I it, love it, and to be. You know, to be candid, sometimes you get you know, sours or lambics or whatever, and you're like, I don't know if I, you know, a little bit can go a long way. This is and, and a lot of people, drinkable. A lot of people think, you know, after a four or six ounce pour or something like this, your mouth can't take any more tartness, right? right. It just yep. coats your mouth too much and whatnot. I mean, I don't think maybe the Lafos would be hard to drink yeah. single-handedly. Uh, the first one, I think we all <laughs> agreed we could easily drink that yep. whole yeah. 750 milliliter alone. No and this one, this no one definitely doesn't. Yeah. It coats your mouth really, really well, but not in a way that it's harsh and overpowering. Yeah. And you could mix this with some meat and cheeses really, really well. You could mix this probably with that barbecue that we had earlier with some I was sausage that, and, yeah. and pulled something. pork. Some something smoky yep. would be good. I mean, this is this is a, a very much so a style that would go well with food. I just can't get over how how much booze I get on this versus the other two. I, f- I mean, I'm, it's it's. I agree with which you. I th- which yeah. I think you 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 need something kind of fatty to balance that out. It should be kind of good. So, well, nice awesome. surprise here. That's a yeah an interesting. Y- you know, and I kind of just grabbed that this morning. I was telling Brian, and yeah, I figured I'd throw in a little bit of a wild card, something we weren't real familiar with, yeah. and because these guys is and Evan, you've talked about Boone several times, just yeah. with their regular goose and how that's just a really really yeah, nice pleasant label. beer. Right. And, right. Yep, uh, that you can just find on the shelf. Yeah, I, t- I remember when I picked one of those up, I was like, Brian, go to go to Hy-Vee, get <laughs> yeah, yourself a yeah. black label, label, and you'll be happy. Yep. Um, how many How many more of these do you have? Because I remember you got this from a s- supplier. Yep, there was uh, four different in the pack, and okay. all four different barrels, and I have one left. Interesting. It's the VAT 110 aged in uh, cognac casks. Okay. So the one we had before was Normandy Ar- Armagnac casks, I think. Okay. Um and then there was a red wine cask, and then today's is a used Lambic cask. Gotcha. So nice, really cool series, and and uh, for being you know kind of uh, under hyped, you know what you know whatever you talk about. I'm sure Untapped doesn't rate these super well or anything. It has been a really really great series to drink, and that's because people most of the people who drink these probably don't know what they're drinking. Yeah, and I think the the red wine one, Brett Brett and I split Brett, who was on uh, the one of the last ones. And yeah. We were kind of blown away like this one. It's just a really, really nice, easy drinking, super flavorful style that 
almost as future brother-in-law Brad. That's right. Officially is. Officially is. Yeah. Good luck with that. There we go. We love you, Brett. <laughs> All right. So we should probably call this like beer 401 or something because Lambic is not one of those styles where, yeah. you know, it's not your 101 course, 102 right. course. It's like your 401 course. You're a senior in college. It's like, okay, now I know my know my stuff and <laughs> I'm getting into the really weird and esoteric yeah. stuff. It's time to get into this. And some people, you know, they don't like them. It's like, you know, I just don't like them. And you just have to say, like, that's all right. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. Okay. it's an acquired taste or, you know, whatever. You've had uh, 101 with your uh, Riesdorf Kolsch and Coors Light. And, uh, yeah. I think oh, Riesdorf Kolsch on 101? <laughs> well, I was thinking even Uh-oh. the 101 that we did actually might have been too sophisticated. Uh, but yeah, that's right. Well, that's okay. This is fair to be 401. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, Brian, thanks for joining us. I know Absolutely. I know we didn't have to twist your arm too much to no, come, no, no. come no. down. Uh, we always love having you. It's and like the Canteon the label is like a bat symbol on yeah, a cloud. Yeah, it's a beacon. Yep. And I'm just going it, to... It, it pings and Brian's like, hey, oh, I heard you guys. Are. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. He has a sense around all of our Lambic bottles. Right, when right, they, right. When they start moving, yeah. he texts us, hey, what are you guys yeah. doing tonight? Hey. You didn't drink it's Thursday. That. You, you cracked a lambic. What's going on? <laughs> Looks like you might be doing something with uh, Diaoini tonight. Uh, the doorbell rings. I think rings I'm free. Like, Brian, I didn't invite you over, but I heard you're popping a lambic. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, cheers, boys. Cheers. Absolutely. Thanks to Poor Brothers uh, yeah. for having us. Thanks and, again, uh, Poor Brothers. Slow hands. That's right. Cheers. And Thomas for this great uh, Boone Goose. This yeah. is delicious. All right. Take care. All right. Cheers.